0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc dot La 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 la. My big fat mouth gets me in. Man, you guys are awake. I like that. Man, after Barry preached that sermon right there, I felt convicted. <laughs> Oh, Barry, you always got the greatest stories. So over the last four weeks, we've covered complaining, criticizing, lying, gossiping. We've had so much fun. I want to say welcome to real life, amen? This is how it works in real life. Real topics, always fun. But if you're new to church or if you missed miss the last couple weeks at some point, I encourage you to go back. I know this, some of these messages have been hit home with so many people. I tell you, every week, somebody's stopping me saying, hey, man, God's really speaking through this. Or hey, I told my spouse some stuff you said this week and got me in trouble. I didn't, that wasn't me, but somebody told me that earlier. Um they use my words against me. It happens. But this is an awesome series. I encourage you to really jump in and be a part of it. Next week, we start a new series called Masterminds. We're going to talk about our thoughts, talk about stress, just dealing with different things in our life. I know all of us are stressed out at a time to time. Anybody got some stress in their life? You guys are all not stressed. I like that. I love my church. Not not stressed church. Stress-free church, baby. This is not no longer real life. <laughs> we're going to change that up a little bit. But I'm going encourage you, today is our last uh, little series here of the My Big Fat Mouth. And uh, today we're going to talk about a really fun topic. You're going to love it. And so I'm going to do today's theme with a story. And uh, when I was growing up, my parents were separated, and my dad lived in Midtown, and my mom lived out um, in Raytown. And so we kind of split time. So every other weekend, I'd be with my dad, which meant that we were like little slaves for the weekend. You know, he kind of built up his projects, you know, and then we'd show up, and he just like kept us working for 24-7, and I got a lot of stories. but So one day he's like, hey, you know what? We're going to cut down this giant gumball tree. And this thing is at least three and a half feet big at the bottom, maybe bigger. This thing's a monster. And so we got a 40-foot ladder out, which I was like 14, so you know, he did most of the work on that. But we got this thing up in the tree, and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to watch this thing come down. He goes... Boy, you're going up in that tree cutting this down. I'm like, okay, perfect, you know. Never done this before. So I climbed the 40-foot ladder. He put me in a harness and gave me a rope, and I came up there, got out of the ladder, even farther up the tree. So I'm probably 45 feet up there, harnessed into the tree. Hopefully, this side I'm not going to cut, right? Amen. No amens. Perfect. I like that. So I throw the rope over, and he starts the chainsaw. He has a monster chainsaw, and he just hoists it up there. It's not really made to get in the tree with. And I'm like, hey, Dad, I think this is going to hit your truck. Oh, be quiet, son. It's going to land right over here all right, all right, well, I'll cut that thing down for you. So I took the wedge out of one side, back cut the other. This thing was so tall that when it came down, it made the complete 180, and instead of stabbing the ground, it hit the driveway, and it did that whole, like, spring-up thing, you know? And this trunk is, like, this big still at the top where I cut it. And this thing just, just kind of absorbed all the energy, then, boom, shot back in the air, and where'd it go? right through the truck we went right through the camper shell in the bed and through the cab and I'm like wow and then you're like you're swaying like whoa did that just happen my dad without missing the beat you know what he said right where I wanted I bet that was because <laughs> it ain't moving now <laughs> I don't think you want to cut it up I think you just want to drive it straight to the dump you know that's how my dad kind of operated but man today we were talking about sarcasm I thought that was an awesome sarcastic joke but who would admit that they are a sarcastic person this morning who would admit that who would admit that today Got a few people in here. I like that. Now, this is, I'm going to give you permission. Keep those hands up. You can point today. If you know somebody sarcastic, go ahead and point them out. Yeah, so now I know who needs Jesus. The rest of you guys can go ahead and dismiss, but those who got pointed out, raise their hand. You're going to stay, okay? That was sarcastic. I guess I need Jesus because I'm really, really sarcastic. So this sermon is really for me today. Um, so I'm preaching to myself just a little bit. So here's the point I'm going to make to you guys, that sarcastic has a time and a place. Sarcasm has a time and a place, but usually that time is shorter, and that place is smaller than most of us think. That time is shorter, and the space is smaller than most of us think. You know, Jesus used sarcasm in the Bible. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, oh man, than a rich man in heaven. Some of you guys are thinking Jesus was like, standing up in the pulpit like a pious guy. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man in our heaven. Amen. Some of you guys thought that about Jesus. You read the Bible like that, don't you? I know i read the Bible like that my whole life. But Jesus used sarcasm. You know, disciples are hanging back like, did you hear what Jesus said? It's easy for a camel. I need, I need all of Jesus is so funny. I mean, that's how Jesus preached. That was the style. That's what he did. But, you know, Jesus also used that in some really particular places, right? It was short, and it wasn't very long, and he knew how to use his timing of sarcasm. Some of us, we got our words backwards. we got our words different. I want to give you this idea of what sarcasm looks like. Give you a definition. So check this out. This might be convicting for some of us. The use of irony to mock, to convey the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration. Anybody ever felt beneath consideration? Nope, that's just me. Cool. Worthless or deserving scorn. Now, I read that. I'm like, dude, I'm a sarcastic person. This is not looking good for me this week. Amen? I mean, that is, I don't want people to look like that. Look at this sentence for sarcasm. Banter, cynicism, mockery, ridicule, scorn, criticism, to cut, to put down, scoffing, flaunting. Wisecrack, man. It got me. We had a different word for that growing up, by the way, that last one there. My family called it something different. But, you know, we don't really realize how often our words make a difference, right? Sometimes we don't realize how often our words impact people, and they really are powerful, and they make a difference in people's lives. And so what's really wrong with sarcasm? And I'm not saying there's something wrong with everything that's sarcastic, but maybe it should be a little shorter, right? A little time and place, a little different. But it says in James chapter 3, this way it he says. James chapter 3 says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a... Small bit in the mouth, just a small bit and a, somebody help me out here, a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong in the same way the tongue is a, we're catching on, you guys are smart, I like you guys, you're a smart church, small thing that makes grand speeches but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. The smallest things can make the biggest difference. You know, what if we changed our words up a little bit, just a little bit, to make a bigger difference? Man, I didn't, like, ever, like, know what this bit looked like, so I was like, Amazon Prime, come on, baby. Hook me up. This is a bit. Anybody use a bit? Anybody put a, a bridle on a horse, doing that stuff? Any cowboys in this house? Woo-hoo! We got one. That's cool. This is, the this illustration is terrible. All right, this one-pound little piece of metal controls the entire horse, 1,000, 2,000-pound horse. You stick that thing in his mouth and start yanking on there, man, go left, go right. Here's the point. It's the small things that make the biggest difference, amen? The small thing like our mouth, because it's kind of ironic that he put that in a horse's mouth, huh, would make the biggest difference. Just the the way your mouth turns. turns to something good, gives life. turns to something bad, takes life. It's the small things that make the biggest difference. I want you to check out what Solomon said. Why wisest person ever lived? Proverbs 18, 21, it says, The tongue is a power of life and death. The tongue is the power to give life, amen, life-giving people, and the power to take life, the power to squash people, to crush their spirit. You know, if I looked at a bad marriage, I'd imagine probably a lot of life-taking words. I probably don't need to use all those words. You might have heard those words. You might have saw your parents exchange those words. If you go into a good marriage, a lot of life-giving words. A lot of loving words, a lot of hugging words, a lot of I'm proud of you words, a lot of you can do this, like God's got this, that we can make it, we're going to do it together words, we're going to keep it going words. I, I love those kind of relationships, amen? If you ever hang out with life takers, whoo man, you get about two hours into that, you're like, oh man, I might just have to take my life, like this is over, man. I just can't listen anymore, like this is too much complaining. Too much negativity. Woo, I'm tired. I can't make it today. Oh, I call them Eeyores, you know. <laughs> the life-taking moments. But you got life-givers, right? People who build you up. People that get you on. People that help you see something you don't see in yourself yet. Like, we won't be a life-taking group of people. Check out what Proverbs says in 1218. It says, the words of a righteous pierce like swords. Or the reckless. That's not the righteous. Man, I messed that up bad. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. You guys can quote me on that. But the words of reckless. This is a life-taker. It says, life-taking people, their words pierce like swords. You know something like that? Like I've got people in my life, I'm like, man, that, that's, that's true. But the tongues of a wise brings healing. The tongues of a wise. A wise person brings life to others. Proverbs 15.4, it says the soothing tongue is a tree of life. The soothing tongue. The soothing tongue is a life giver, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A perverse tongue takes away life. You know, we say this, a little sarcasm never hurt anybody, amen? I got one. Somebody's listening. I like that. Here's the thing. I don't know anybody who's ever, be, ever been healed by sarcasm. You know, like, man, I know you're kind of defeated, but here's a sarcastic comment. Woo, my spirit is uplifted. I'm brought back onto it. Or, you know, somebody who's really been down and out, you know, you get in that one-on-one conversation, like, I know you're really struggling, but here's a good sarcastic joke. That'll get you going. No one's ever been picked up or lifted up or, or healed by the words of sarcasm. They're fun to have, but they're not there in the right moment. You know, sarcasm can crush your spirit. Think about this. Somebody says, hey, cool hair, bro. Looks Cool. Cool hair. And you're like, oh man, I gotta pay another few dollars to cut this hair again. It looks terrible. You know what I'm talking about, man? There's a reason you're not married yet. Thanks, Dad. You know, whatever. Like, good words of encouragement. If I had a, I've had a dollar for every smart thing you'd say. I'd still be poor. Hey, but at least you're at least you're smarter than you look, right? So, all right, whatever, man. You, maybe it's just me. I don't know, man. But sarcasm is the secret language that everyone uses when I say something mean to your face. You know what I'm talking about? This kind of throw it in there. It's kind of funny, funny, and you get something that, Man, that was kind of hurtful, you know? But if you're around somebody who's just always sarcastic, it becomes a problem. You don't want to be life-giving people. People that say, Man, I'm proud of you. Man, I believe in you. Man, I couldn't do this without you. Man, babe, you're gorgeous. You're a knockout. I can't wait. Get married again, honeymoon. You know what I'm talking about? We're gonna have much fun. Dinah's is good at this right here. She wrote me a note. She does this little thing. I don't, I'm not very good at these little notes. Anybody write notes to people? Good. Nobody does that. Anybody text anybody? That's cool. All right. But she leaves this note at my desk. She says little things like this. She's a little life giving. I love this adventure with you, babe. Thanks for all you do with the for our family. Man, that makes I save this. That's how dorky I am. You know what I mean? Like I save that little note. Anybody save notes? It's just me. That's cool. That's just one of my days, I guess. All right. But I mean, she, you know, I'm up here preaching. She'll come down. I'll come down there later because you're always like, man, how would it go? And she's like, oh, it was good, baby. I love when you get that deep voice on stage. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm not gonna tell you what else she says after that, but that's just, that's how it goes. Yes, we're trying to work on real children. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a habit. We're not willing to quit, you know? Anyway, so how's your words? Are they life-taking words or are they life-giving words? Like, how do, you, how do you treat other people? Let's start with that. How do you treat other people? Would you say on a scale of 1 to 10, you're like a life-taking word, like a 1 or like a 3, 5? Or you're like a life-giver. You're like, man, I'm 10 out of 10. I'm a, I'm a life-giving person. So how do you treat other people? Maybe you say things like this. Man, this is always a mess when you're around. Life-taker. Man, I can't stand the way you fill in the blank. Man, you drive me nuts. I wish you never would have. Da-da-da-da-da. How would you treat people? You that, well, how do you come off? Maybe you have to ask your spouse. They might give you an answer. All right, are you like, man, I'm proud of you. I love you. Man, it's so great. I'm so blessed to have you in my life. Man, you're such a great friend. Hey, thanks for being loyal. I couldn't do this without you. Just give yourself a number, just hold there. All right, how do you treat yourself? So many times you say things like this, man, I can't do it. Man, I'm so tired. Man, life is so hard. This week is gonna be terrible. Life-taking words. Or maybe you say to yourself, man, it's gonna be a great day. Man, God is with me. I'm going to make a difference this week. I can't wait to go on this adventure. So, what number did you have? Anybody get two tens? Probably not. Most of us probably didn't get two tens. I didn't get two tens. And you know, I was like, man, I'm really struggling with this little list here. The good news is, if you didn't get two tens, you have a tremendous amount of ability to improve because your words are super powerful. Your words can make a difference. So I want to encourage you this morning if you're like, man, I'm a five or I'm a seven, hey, let's bump it up. Let's go to the next level. How can we change our words? How can we change the words? i got two pr- principles for you to do life-giving words. Like, how do we share life-giving words? The first thing is this. Is if you can't say something helpful, skip it. Now, I know it sound like your mom right there. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be your mom. All right, just trying to preach the Bible. But if you can't say something helpful, skip it. It says this in Ephesians 4.29. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Dang. Amen. My sermon's done. i got nothing else to say. because. <laughs> I'm trying to think of helpful things, you know what I mean? So the words will be an encouragement to those who hear This would save your marriage. Just one little piece. If you just walk out of here and say, I want everything to say be words that are helpful. I want to help people with my words. You know, the KJV says, hey, if you don't have anything good to say, shut thy mouth. Shut thy trap. Man, no elbowing spouses right now. Somebody got the car right here. Something happened, you know. Like those words weren't very helpful. Those didn't help the children. They didn't help me. That was great. Listen to the sermon. Proverbs 13.3 says this. Those who control their tongue have a long life but opening your mouth can ruin everything. You ask yourself the question, is this helpful? Is this helpful? Self, 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 <laughs> is this helpful? And so often we just say things because we think them and they're nowhere near helpful. Look at Proverbs 21, 23, it says, watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Man, we should memorize this last week, I choked on it. We stay out of trouble. Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut and you stay out of trouble. Let me put it into practice this week. Anybody say self, I'm not going to say that. I caught myself a few times, and then I still said it. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> this kind of happens, but, but there's the point. Sometimes the things that make the biggest difference are the things you don't say. The things you don't say that can make the biggest impact just by holding your tongue and saying, you know what, I could say that. It is true, but it doesn't mean it needs to be said. Doesn't mean it, I'm not the other person that has to apply that truth right now, amen? I think the world likes to apply a lot of truth to a lot of people around me. I can love somebody even though they don't look the way I want them to look, amen? Like maybe my kids are like a little disruptive and it's like looking ugly, but I can still love my kids. Or maybe there's a season in my family where it's like man, this isn't going well. Or maybe it's somebody in my personal life, somebody that is in my family or somebody that I was close to or somebody that treated me wrong. I can still love them and I have to apply truth. God's going to give them the truth, amen? We just love people. Some of us say, say it like this. Man, I saw that coming a mile away. I maybe saw that point coming a mile away. I don't know. This is a harsh one, but I, I saw this one. Wow, that was a waste of makeup. I'll preach your funeral <laughs> for free, for free. I'll do it for you. Hey, if you don't like her driving, stay off the sidewalk. Man, I love that one. I use that on teenagers all the time, but I shouldn't do that. Man, if you don't want a sarcastic answer, don't ask a stupid question. <laughs> You've all said something like this, right? It's what you don't say that makes the biggest difference. Look at Proverbs 15, 20. It says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Man, thinks carefully. I don't know. I don't know if you say, do you think carefully before you speak? i would be like. I try to, I try to think carefully, the mouth of the wicked overflows the evil words, you gotta ask yourself, is this helpful, is this helpful, Proverbs 18.4 says, Why words, wise words are like deep waters, wisdom flows from the wise, like bubbling brook, Foul, a fool's words get them into constant quarrels, they're asking for a beating, a fool asks for a beating, now I won't apply a beating sometimes, but I don't, you know what I mean, like that, you need a beating, but we're not gonna beat you, we're just gonna love you, and I'm just kidding, I don't do that, but I do, But the mouths of the fool are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. You know, somebody comes to mind when you read this verse, right? You're like, there is somebody that's always putting their foot in the mouth and is driving people away. And you're like, man, I can't be around that person. Here's the point. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. If it's not helpful, skip it. I want to change the sermon title of this. From my big, fat mouth gets me in trouble to my small, skinny mouth keeps me out of trouble. Amen? Small, skinny mouth. Who wants a small, skinny mouth this morning? (laughs) You're like, no, I love my big, fat mouth. (laughs) I'm going to extend this series again. I lied. <laughs> or whatever. So if you can't say something helpful, s- skip it. Second thing is this if you think something good, say it. If you think something good, say it. If you think something good, just say it. Just say it. Don't rob somebody of a blessing. Say what you got to say. Proverbs 16 24 says, Gracious. Somebody say, gracious. 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 I love it. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Here's the key word gracious. Gracious words. Oh, it did say words. Dang it. Not gracious thoughts. Gracious thoughts. You know, if the thought actually counted, right? I want to write a great book or a sermon series on this. If the thought actually counted, so many people are so sarcastic, they think the right things, but man, they fail to deliver. Like those words never come through. Here's an illustration for you. So I told you about my family a little bit. My parents were divorced when I was young. My only member of my family together, like when they're actually married, my mom and dad, was standing between them as they were fighting in the living room. That was my family. That was my picture of like the American family. And so throughout my life, I saw my dad on the weekends. My dad, I mean, I read a note the other, this week that his coworker wrote in 2010 to me saying, hey, you're working your dad for Jesus. Man, he is a really funny guy. He's a joke for everything. He never backs down from a fight. Wow, I'm praying for you kind of thing. I was like, I was just going through my, my cursing box here, you know? And so my dad, he, he, he kind of fails to deliver. And I love my dad. I love my family, man. I'd get his back. We do a lot of stuff. I, he's, I'm very proud of my dad and what he does. But I'll tell you something. It didn't come through. I've never heard my dad come to me and say, son, I love you. Never happened. My dad's super sarcastic though, I, I can kind of pick up on it there, but I never heard those words. I never heard the word, hey, you're gonna be, you're a great son, I'm so proud of you, way to go. My dad never showed up to anything did in high school except for one event that I, I was part of. I was part of it, all sorts of stuff, showed up one time. My dad never showed up in college. I graduated in ministry school, didn't show up, didn't even come to my graduation. I got baptized, my dad wasn't there. I started church, my dad's not here. My dad's never been to any time ever spoke, anything ever done. I don't, I like my dad, I love my dad. I was telling you, fail to deliver. I always say my dad never failed to disappoint that was my story, but I did find hope in Jesus. A lot of things, but I'll tell you something. If you got something good to say, you better say it, amen? You better say it. There's a lot of people need to hear your positive words. I know you, your family's falling apart and it's not going the way you want it to go, but God's working through you. Just be steady, say, I love you, son. I'm proud of you. You can make a difference. You can say to your wife, man, I love you. If I do all over again, I'd marry you again. Can we do that? Can we say the positive things in our life and share those things with people around us? Man, don't rob somebody of a blessing, amen? You never know the difference your word's gonna make. You never know the difference your word is gonna make. So I have this box I keep in my, uh, my office, all right? And this box is just a box of encouragement. And so I read a book a long time ago when I started ministry that's kind of tough. They weren't lying, by the way. And so I kept all the notes of anybody who's ever given me anything, kind of thank you, thank uh, you any kind of different stuff. So I have youth kids stuff, I was youth pastor for 10 years and they write notes and thank you for doing this and this. I got notes from my spouse, I got notes from my foster kids, notes from my kids, notes from my family members. Anything that's encouraging, I say, you know, I'm gonna put it in my box and I keep it, no joke, I keep it right here on my desk. It's like the closest thing to me because every day I have to remind myself why I'm doing this. Not here, it's not like I'm defeated and discouraged and it's not gonna go on. It's just that so many times that it's so easy just to kind of think about yourself. You're like, hey man, it's really about this. Like we're making a difference, amen? Like people's lives are being touched. And so I don't go through the box very often. It's just encouraging enough that it's there and it's full. I'm like, man, so many stories. There's stories in here of people that were thinking about committing suicide and didn't commit suicide. There's people in here that we took into our family and raised as foster kids. There's stories in here of people that are broken, they're broke addictions. There's stories in here of people who didn't have a family and they found a family at church. I mean, you go on and on. It's such, I mean, you start reading this, you're like, man, this is crazy. I found this one note and I thought it was, it was super powerful and applicable to today. This girl was 16. She came to our youth ministry and she shared this in front of all the youth kids. And I said, hey, you mind if I keep your notes? Because I thought it was so powerful what you said. She said this about my life. She said, throughout the years, my mom had cancer. She changed she changed. And made decisions that hurt me a lot. She said things that lowered my self-esteem, and all the while I went through a lot of bullying at school. And eventually, it, it, all, the awful things that were said about me, I took to heart to myself. These words convinced me that I wasn't good enough. Every morning I looked in the mirror; I hated what I saw. I got into a streak of extreme depression and bullying. Eventually, got to the point where I thought about taking my life. I thought it wouldn't be enough. I thought it'd be easier if I wasn't there for everyone. If I just wasn't around anymore. My insecurities were killing me inside. But I love this line. But then somebody invited me. It always starts with invitation, doesn't it? But then somebody invited me to stand loud alive. That's the name of the youth ministry I was running. And Sean's message really spoke to me. They said that if I wanted to be happy to love myself, that I should give myself to Jesus and give him a chance. They talked about how Jesus died on the cross for us and that the great things that Christ could do in our souls. And so that night I knew I was missing something. There was something in my life that wasn't there. And that night I got saved. I came to youth group, and I found this group of people and Jesus changed everything. For the first time I felt worthy of life. Man, that not encouraging. I'm gonna put that here in my incursion box. I'm gonna pick that up when I'm a little discouraged on Monday because here it is, I'm fighting the battle, right? But here's my point, words are important, amen? You never know how a simple, I mean, think about it, a simple invitation to church. You don't know that that girl was struggling with so much insecurity, so much doubt because the words that have been spoken to her life that she took to heart weren't the words of life, they're the words that are taken from her. And she uses a moment where it said, hey, you know, why don't you come to church with me? She's like, I'll go. giving church, giving God, given life, the last chance. That's what we do in real life. We want to be a life-giving church, amen? We want people far from God to discover real life and purpose in Jesus. Your words make a difference. Here's my point. If you want to change the world, then change your words. If you want to change the world, then change your words. I mean, you can't control anything else, but you can't control your mouth. You can't control the words that we say. Here's the point. Here's how you can practically do this. It's really simple. Say what you want to see. It's in a John Mayer song, right? But you can say what you want to see. Say what you want to see. Just say it. If you see something you want in life, just start saying it. And I'm not talking about name and claim it like you have some Mercedes Benz show up. I'm a Mercedes in my garage next week, you know. Like, Lord, give me a nice Denali with a you know, diesel engine. No, that, that's not what we're talking about. Not the TV preacher with the, the Jesus, uh, you know. The, Jesus, uh, he's got four syllables of Jesus. Like, how does that work? You know, that's cool. I love it. No, it's all about saying stuff in people's life you want to see. Say something positive to somebody you want to see. Here's how it works. It's really simple. If you add this little phrase behind everything you say to somebody or think in your head before you say it, I promise you'll change everything you say your entire life. This, this sentence or this little phrase is so powerful. I promise you, this can convict you. You add this in, you're gonna be a totally different person. It's so simple. It's so easy. This is how it goes. And that's the way I want it. And that's the way I want it. Some of you guys are going to get you out of here. You're getting in a car. There's going to be a fight. You know what? You're always rude. You're condescending. I can't believe I married you, and that's the way I want it. Would you say that with integrity? That's the way I want it? Hey, my kid, you're always, this room's always a mess, and that's the way I want it. I mean, you don't measure up. It's not good enough, and that's the way I want it. I mean, think about the other way, though. Think about encouraging it is. Like, I love you. That's the way I want it. I believe in you, God's got a plan for you. Man, God's gonna heal our marriage and that's the way I want, amen? God can use you, that's the way I want it. I want you to go far in life, that's the way I want it. I love you, I care for you, I'll be here for you, that's the way I want it. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? There's a time to get rowdy in the church, it may be right now, we get a little crazy up here. But if you wanna change the world, then change your words. That's the way we want, amen? Sarcasm says this, we make somebody look small so we can look big. That's what it really what it is. And if you want to talk about sarcasm, there's always somebody that's the butt end of the joke, isn't there? Just don't be the butt end of the joke, right? If you ask my mom, this is literally the reason she divorced my dad because she was tired of being the butt end of the joke. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. It says this: the banter, cynicism, mockery, ridicule, scorn, criticize, cut, put down, scoffing, flaunting, a wisecrack. Man, there's a place for sarcasm, but it's probably smaller than we think. Amen. It's probably smaller. We gotta give life giving words. Think about the savior, Jesus, that we are at our best. We're building people up, amen? Jesus came to serve, to lay down his life, to make other people feel big. We can make others feel big around us. We have to make them feel small, amen? It's so easy to tear somebody down and try to look cool. It's so easy to make yourself be the smartest person in the the room, but Jesus did the opposite. He came down and laid down his life for us. And so we can give our life to somebody else. God has something better for my life than stepping on people, amen? It's so easy to step on people to get where you want to go. We don't step on people. We serve people. We serve people. Man, I think about my family. God's big plans for my family. I can't step on my family. I can't put my spouse down. I can't put my kids down. I got to pick my kids up. If anybody should pick my kids up, it should be me. Amen. I mean, some of you guys are so hard on your kids. Man, be lucky they survive. Man, just give them words of encouragement. God will change them. It's not your job to change your kids. Man, God's a purpose for your neighbors. We can love our neighbors. Man, I, I, there's some neighbors I do not like, right? Woo, those grass clippings in the street. Come on, blow those back in the yard. That's good, it's got nitrogen. Put it back in there, you know? Don't clog these drains. We love our neighbors, right? I mean, we can make people feel big because Jesus made us feel big. Jesus made me feel big because I don't have to live on the words of my earthly father because I'm a heavenly father that loves me, amen? A heavenly father that died for me. A heavenly father that said his son died for me. It's a heavenly father that accepts me. I don't have to be somebody special. I don't have to prove something to anybody. I don't have to live up to somebody's standard. I live for God. And so we can be big people, make big people around us. We can be transformed. I believe this, we're loved, we're accepted, we are changed by the power of God so we can do to other people. What if you were a life-giving person today? What if you gave it back? What if you were an encourager because you said, you know what, I'm gonna be an encourager. I'm gonna build people up. I'm gonna speak life into others. I'm gonna set people free. I believe this, you can change somebody's life with a word. Changed somebody's life with the word. I was talking to Diane about this message earlier in the week. And she had a friend in high school she wasn't even close to. And his name was Chris. And so she got to the point of sign a yearbook. Everybody's got those yearbooks? If you bought one, right? Those $80,000 yearbooks, you know what I'm talking about? That <laughs> you only look at once in your life and go, whoa, put that away. <laughs> Man, I looked something special. I was hot, you know, I was a good looking guy. you know. But you look at that, it's all dorky, right? But she, she goes back and says, you know what, there's this guy. In my class, I wasn't even close to I was friends with him, kind of knew him, wasn't close to And in my yearbook, he said, hey, thanks for being a good friend. Thanks for caring about me. I really thought about killing myself, but because you cared about me, I didn't do it. Had no idea. Had no idea that she even befriended this guy. Had no idea that her words had that kind of impact on anybody. Can you imagine those around you that need your life giving words? There's somebody at your office that needs hear this, amen? There's somebody that you sit next to that needs you just to say, man, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You can do this. You don't give him some false ego. You're going to say, you say what you see. Hey, I told Jack, man, you're going to be a strong man one day. You're going to be a strong man. Like I'm not going to tear that kid down. Like I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to lift my family up. I'm going to push him farther than I, even, than I got pushed. So this this simple this. You can't say something helpful, then skip it. Don't say it. Not everything you think needs to be said, amen? Sometimes what you don't say makes the biggest difference. And if you think something good, say it. Say what you want to see. Don't rob some of the blessing and say you love them. Don't rob some of the blessing of helping with the next step. Man, we're called to build those up around us. Man, I love you, son. I love you, dad. I'm so proud of you. I couldn't be more proud of you. Man, I love what you're doing. Thank you for being a faithful friend. Thanks for being in the gap for me. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for sitting next to me. Thanks for being this. Be grateful. Be humble. Serve people. Words of the power of life and death. Man, if you the world, change the way you speak. The world, the world has changed through your words, man. Let's be a church that's a little less sarcastic. Has a little less gossip, a little less complaining, a lot less lying, right? Let's be a church that changes people through our words, amen? Because that's the church that we decide that we wanna be, amen? That's what we want for ourselves. Father, we come before you. We thank you so much, God, for your word. God, I pray that our words would honor you, God. I pray that we would be a people that build people up, that people walk through this door and they would experience your love, God. Even for five minutes, they know that we love them and that we care for them, that we can make a difference in their life through the gospel. God, I pray you unleash truth into our souls, God, that people will be changed and our church will be a church that builds people up today. As you take taking a moment to pray, those of you would say, I wanna use my words to speak life. I wanna be a healer. I wanna build people up. I wanna change the way I speak. I wanna be the kind of person that the room is lifted when I come into the room. I wanna change the world through my words. With God's help, I want others to be lifted up through my words. If that's you today, would you lift your hands and say, I wanna be the person that lifts people up around me? I see hands up all across the room, man. That's so encouraging. I wanna pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, for setting us free. God, thank you for serving us when we didn't deserve it. God, you could have said everything, but God, you sent your son to serve us, God. And so I pray that we would have the same attitude around people, God, that we could love and forbear and have patience with people, God. I pray that when we're tempted to speak words that are life-taking, God, when we're tempted to make someone feel small, when we're tempted to rob somebody of a blessing, God, that we would pause and recognize that we are being the problem and not the solution, God. I pray that we renew our minds, God, and our hearts in you, God. Let's not hold back if we have something good to say. Let's not hold back from saying something to our spouse, from our kids, from those around us, God. Let's be uplifting people. God, I pray we bring healing and strength and a good reputation to you, God, with our words. As we continue praying today, there are some of you today who maybe grew up like me. You probably never heard the words, I love you, from your dad or somebody significant in your life. Maybe you found it difficult to speak the words of life because you didn't have that in your life. Maybe you find it hard to encourage and to believe in others because you never truly felt this way for yourself. You see, Satan wants to rob you of your joy. Satan wants to take you away from God. He wants to rob you of your experience with God by making you think that you have to earn your way to God, just like your earthly father may be put in front of you. If I can be a better person, if I can be a good enough person, if I can fix my life, if I can handle my relationships, if my marriage was healed, once I get my life cleaned up, this mess cleaned up, then I'll be a good enough person for God to love. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God loves you right now in your weakness, in your sinful nature, in your mistakes, in your brokenness, in the mess. That God, in His strength, in His Son Jesus, died in your place, so you can be made brand new, you be right with God, and be transformed by His love. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. You'll be transformed that you made new, that every sin you've committed, that every feeling you've had in your life will be forgiven, that the old is gone, that the new has come. Today, you've heard the life-giving message of the wonderful gospel, that Jesus loves you, they came for you, they died in a place on the cross for you, and now stands ready to transform your life in this very moment if you say yes to him. So across this room, no one looking around, if you say, yes, I need Jesus, yes, I need his grace, yes, I'm gonna turn life over to him. If that's you, would you raise your hand and be looking around and say, I need Jesus today. Be like that and say, I need Jesus Basically, I want a new life with Jesus. I want to change not just my words, but my heart. I see the hand in the back. That's so encouraging. So encouraging. Anybody else say I need Jesus? This is your moment. Maybe God's just speaking to you and saying, Hey, you need me. I know you've been running, but you found home. Hey, I want to pray. If you if you raise your hand, I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. Make me new. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. God, I want to live for your purposes. God will live for you. Thank you for new life in Jesus. I praise in his name. Amen. Hey, church, would you just give that person a hand this morning? How encouraging that is and how exciting. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.